0: Hello, welcome to the Friday, May 28th, 2021 edition of the Sand Center Storm Center's Stormcast. My name is Johannes Ulrich and today I'm recording from Jacksonville, Florida, but virtually teaching in London, England. In Diaries Today, we got an interesting experiment by Jan. He looked at the effectiveness in using different encodings in order to evade antivirus. And what he focused on was base encodings. Now, you're probably all familiar with base64, but there are a number of different base encodings, like, for example, base32. What they all have in common is that they essentially map all byte values from 0 to 255 into a more limited character set like 64 characters for base 64. As a sample, Jan took a Metasploit payload, which of course should be well detected and it was well detected, uh, if not obfuscated. And he then compiled it for 32 and for 64 bits. Couple interesting results here. First of all, yes, and that's probably not surprising that Base64 encoded binaries are not well detected, but it didn't really make a difference as to what base encoding was used. What probably was more surprising than Base64 encoding not being detected well was that 64-bit binaries were detected much less than 32-bit binaries, regardless the encoding. With 64-bit CPUs and operating systems now pretty much being the default all over, a lot of malware, of course, is also compiled for 64-bit, and you would expect anti-malware tools to do a bit better than what they are doing here according to Jan's experiment. Never mind of course that this is only going to become worse as we do have sort of a diversification of architectures with ARM of course also becoming more and more popular in particular on the mobile side. And then we got an interesting proof-of-concept exploit for all current versions of macOS and iOS, and that includes 14.6 for iOS, as well as macOS 11.0. The problem here is a vulnerability in WebKit. Of course, WebKit is uh, the basic foundation of Safari, the web browser, and WebKit is an open source library that's also used by other tools, not just by Apple. And apparently a vulnerability was fixed in WebKit a couple months ago, but so far hasn't really made it into any of the current releases of iOS or macOS. The patch that is has not been included, which uh, means that uh, these operating systems and well, Safari running on these operating systems remains vulnerable to a remote code execution vulnerability. The problem being exploited here is a type confusion vulnerability in the audio worklet API. Now, uh, proof of concept, like I said, was published as part of the blog post, but it's not fully functional in that it doesn't include a bypass for the pointer authentication codes or packs that are used to prevent exploits like this from executing. But according to the blog post, it should be possible uh, to create an exploit that does bypass packs. And Snick has an interesting blog post showing some vulnerabilities in Visual Studio Code extensions. Visual Studio Code, of course, uh, being Microsoft's cross-platform editor or IDE has become increasingly popular among developers. And of course, being able to install various extensions is one of the selling points here. But with extensions comes untrusted code that you are including in your development environment and while there is some increasing awareness about uh, not including random libraries or at least accounting for what libraries you're including in your projects the same should be true for extensions and any other developer tools that you're using in particular with developers often being targeted In the blog post, Snick really just uh, tries to foster more awareness of the problem and shows a couple of examples of vulnerable extensions that are popular and uh, currently uh, being used. But overall, of course, there are likely many more vulnerable uh, extensions out there. So try to limit yourself as to what extensions you install and possibly do try to do a quick security review of these extensions for some kind. Common problems. So essentially treat these extensions just like you would treat a library, a package that you include in your projects. And well then, there was a lot of news about the miracle vulnerability, miracle spelled with M1, and uh, it's a problem with Apple's new M1 CPU. It was made public earlier this week, and I hadn't covered it so far in part because I figured it's not really such a big deal, but on a Friday, it makes sort of a nice vulnerability to close the podcast with. In short, this vulnerability is really a two bit register that you have in the M1 CPU that uh, may be accessed by different processes at the same time. And as a result, it could be used to exchange information between processes. There are, of course, many ways how processes are able to legitimately exchange information. Usually, those channels can be observed by security software. This would be a channel that's likely not observed and also very difficult, if impossible, to control by security software. So overall, not a big deal. And uh, while it may not be easily patchable or patchable at all it's certainly one of those things that apple could control somewhat with the review of the software it does perform for its app store well and that's it for today now due to the memorial day holiday on monday the next podcast will be published on tuesday